Hello. Welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table as always with my lovely partner, Kathy Waite. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, our show is brought to you by our 15th annual 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training, thought processes, and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. So we are coming up into week 13 of our 15th annual base builder program. Um, and that's a program we run um, at our training facility, Session 6 in Lakewood, Colorado, as well as offer remotely um, to anyone in the country or world. We have some international participants as well, um, as well as some training plans available on Training Peaks that follow very similarly to our um, annual base builder program. And um, so our podcast episodes here are really designed to kind of address sort of the ins and outs, nuances, um, things that we're doing in our in our own training programs and those that were of the 40-plus in-house athletes we have at Session 6. And I think we have about 50 or so remote base builder athletes, and I don't even know how many training plans followers. So um, got quite a few people following along. So we're on to episode 16. Um Last week was great, episode 15 with Justin Dudley. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. At Cascade he's, Sports. Yeah, he's a great guy and really knowledgeable about all things to do with um, proper training and mobility, prehab, injury prevention. Yeah, that was a really good one. And all week in my own training, particularly in the gym, but even on the bike, I was like thinking a lot about what things he had said, you know, oh, what, were you? what we yeah. talked about. And, well, we uh, implemented the thoracic mobility. In, in Monday's session in the gym, which was cool. Like, I love learning from him and from his staff. So, yeah, thoracic mobility was one of my key takeaways from his his talk with us. Yeah, that, that, that was one I was thinking of a lot as well. So opening up the chest. Um, so this week, episode 16, um, we want to talk, uh, obviously, about week 13 of our Base Builder program. And then also touch on... Um, goal setting because it's that time of year. I'm a big fan of goal setting. You're not <laughs> such a big fan. No, of I I don't know what why I I've always had like a physical aversion to goal setting since you were a young. Yeah, student. I remember in high school, certain classes we we have and teachers would have us write down our goals, and I would be irritable, grumpy, like opposed, opposed. Right. I would dig my heels in. I don't think in. you're alone. I think a lot of people And like it that. doesn't make sense. Like logically, there's no reason to be opposed to writing goals. Like what's my problem? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, I, for me, I was brought up with it. My mom was very much a, go, a goal-setting, goal-oriented, you know, entrepreneur type woman. <laughs> She's awesome. Me, had me doing, writing out goals as a probably preteen, but definitely by my teenage years, um, and being very specific and diligent about it and just sort of, it was just like the thing we did every year. And, um, will you tell the story, um, of her phone call the other day with you about her goal setting? Yes. And I need to actually call her back and tell her, um, that I got that message, but yeah, she called and left a message that she was rummaging through some old stuff. And I think she said it was about 19 or 20 years ago. She found some goals she had written, um, and a couple lines of them pertain to me. And it was, if I can remember correctly, it was like, um, Cody will be, will own his own business. What do you, it was like training people yeah. using our, Oh, you training people using our ranch. Cause his mom owns a ranch. Horse ranch. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, 
happily married. Happily married with his kids. Wife would be his business partner in oh, the training right. company. Yeah, it was really yeah. amazing. Like everything, it was like a. It was really a, kind of amazing. Yeah. A fortune teller who had written down your your future. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, so there's nothing to be. I mean, goal setting is really just like dreaming. So there's nothing to be like opposed to about it. It's I like know. I have no idea why I get this physical reaction, and I'm just sharing that to people out there in case for some reason they also get this yeah. like strange, um, inexplicable physical reaction where they want, like a little kid, they want to say, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. But um, you made me, or we did this together, wrote down our own long, long-term long and short-term goals as we prepared for the podcast. So it was good for me, and it really wasn't that painful. It took me five minutes. So again, not sure why I was so hesitant to it. <laughs> it was good for me to do. Yeah, it gets um, you thinking, and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be this laborious no. task. No, it was good. Um, and it kind of, hopefully, it ends up motivating a person. And I mean... As athletes, people train, you know, for riding our bikes, if you're listening to this show, you're probably um, into training and preparing for some sort of event, whether it's a race or a ride or whatever, or just improving your fitness. So you have, those are goals right there. So it's just really about being more specific about them and being aware of them and, and kind of claiming them. And once you attach to them, I think that's where people tend to avoid. It's like... Once you sort of write it down or really like attach yourself to a goal, it's like you're committed. Mm. And now it's like, oh crap, there's no going back now or whatever. But yeah, maybe that was part of it for me. I think but so. I'm not even sure why because I'm a super type A person. Yeah. I've always worked hard in school and in my job. So yeah, it just it doesn't make sense, yeah. honestly. So thank you, Cody, for um, you, you've always been good for me in that area of writing down my goals and helping me come up with the goals, honestly, as I, I sometimes don't know what my goals should be. Right. I kind of. Told me what my <laughs> told me, but you know what? Why why not though? Like you know me better than anybody, right? So if you know people listening, maybe they don't know what their goal should be, so they could sit down with a friend or um, a partner, spouse, yeah, their coach, and, and just say, "Can you help me? I'm I'm kind of confused. Like, how do I do this?" Yeah, and it's almost, in my opinion, better to talk them through with people and get other people's insights and advice and. Because one, it adds an extra level of commitment and accountability, but, you know, opens your eyes to other things that people are hard on themselves usually. And, yeah. Um, we jumped ahead of ourselves a little bit, though. We were yeah. going to talk about other stuff first and come back to goal setting. Yeah. So let's shelve the topic of goal setting for about 10 minutes and and touch base on some um, other things. Like, what have we been up to? What have we, we been up to? Yeah. So, well, one thing is... You, our faithful listeners who listen regularly might notice my voice sounds a little bit different. I kind of have like this little sore throat. I'm not going to call it a cold yet because I don't want to break my five or six year long streak of no colds, <laughs> but it might be a cold, but we're, we'll see. We'll give it another couple days. Um, so I'm, I have a throat lozenge in and so if you hear me like sucking on something, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's probably not the best for audio quality, but hopefully it'll keep me from doing any sort of cough or something. Um, so I've been alone under the weather, and then you had your own kind of oh gosh, yeah. My issue. back just like spasmed on Wednesday, and I've been hobbling around like a ninety-year-old for a couple of days. I I don't. I, it wasn't from lifting. Um, my friend Doug asked me if I hurt myself in the gym, That's and amazing. no, it wasn't that. I I was actually demonstrating some jumping around at six fifteen in the morning, and I don't think I was warmed up. Mm. Um, and I just have been doing a lot. For example, last weekend, I played six hours of pickleball on top of seven hours of bike riding, 
And that may have been a little too much. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. So <laughs> Cody's been very kind and not said, I told you so. Um, anyway, so I've been kind of uncomfortable. Uh, I've been next door to Cascade PT three times, and they may be sick of me by now. But they've been really gracious and needled and rubbed my back and stretched me out and sent me on my way. So ironically, like riding my bike doesn't hurt. So um, that's good. I'm going to give it a go tomorrow to ride outside and hoping maybe I feel well enough to ride in the Rattler Cross at Bear Creek Lake Park on Sunday morning because that's such a fun race. That is a fun event here locally. Um, yeah. So Fingers we'll crossed. Um, but we've been busy with the team too. We were getting our race kits, our training and race kits ordered through Coray and Boulder, and that was quite the production yeah. process. Yeah. So those that aren't familiar, we we run um, We Development. It's a nonprofit bike racing team here, um, kind of housed out of Session Six, I suppose you'd say. Kathy and I are the coaches. Um, and we started it up last year. We talked about this and some of the writers on previous episodes, but, um, yeah, it's now we're in mid November. Things are rolling along. We've got our new kits made for next year. Thank you to Cure of Switzerland. Um, if, if anyone's out there in the market for kits for their team or their company or whatever, they're a really awesome, um, custom kit manufacturer. Um, yeah, wonderful customer service. Shout out to Scott Tietzel, who's made the process go very smoothly. Yeah, really great on that. Um, and then we've been, with the help of the bikery and Scott Bikes USA, uh, just starting to receive our team bikes for the year. Mm, that's so everyone's fun. really excited. We just got ours. They're still in the boxes in the garage, but um, our mountain bikes for next year. So that's always fun and exciting week- weekend project of unboxing them and assembling them. I'm so um, helpful with that part. Yeah, yeah, I just do it all for you. <laughs> it's like a fairy. Um, yeah, and then in terms of kits, too, I've got a couple. I had, had received a few questions earlier this week. Um, are you guys going to do, you know, Session 6 kits again? Because we, we had Corey make us um, some really nice Session 6 kits last year. And, yes, we are in the works of doing that. Um, I think that will become... We'll have that wrapped up, I'm guessing, towards the end of next week, like probably, hopefully right before Thanksgiving. Um, and then we'll have an online store that will be created and we'll supply, you know, all our listeners and fans and athletes we coach um, the URL to find the store, uh, team shop, and you get on there and we'll have all kinds of different, you know, bibs and jerseys and jackets and vests and everything you need, probably a couple different like price points, um, you know, some affordable ones, some Gucci ones, um, <laughs> you know, kind of the whole ball of wax. So stay tuned for that. So hopefully within by next week and if, you know, end of next week, we'll have the design and then open that store up shortly after, like right, right before Christmas or Christmas, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about that order is any proceeds that we would make gets funneled right back into the We Devo team and help support things such as, um, oh, we need to buy like some hats that the kids can wear in the podium and um, cover some travel expenses. Travel expenses. Yeah, things like that. So there's so many things that go into running a team. Uh, we try to help the families out because they, they have a lot of expenses with their kids being in an expensive sport. Yeah, so any, um, any profits made will just get passed right along to that. Um, to the Wii development team, which is kind of a fun way. So you can treat yourself to a, a new kit and know that some of those dollars are going to go towards um, junior mountain bike racing. So um, pretty cool. 
Um, all right. I, th- I know we have a few questions, a handful of questions here to kind of cover, mostly regarding our training program. Yeah, a remote member, Kim Heinz, sent in an email to you, and she had four quick questions, so I'll just read them out loud, and you can give an answer because someone else out there might have had the same question. Okay. Okay, question number one. For ball slams, which is one of the power movements in our strength program, what if you don't have a space to throw the ball backward or forward? Should I just do regular slams, meaning um, taking the ball overhead and throwing it to the floor? Um, that's a great question. Maybe even one for you. But I think if you're limited on space, which... Um, meaning like you're in a rec center or yeah, like a small like work we gym. launch heavy object <laughs> yes, towards there. someone else yeah so i think the first thought for me anyway is um taking it more vertical like a like a crossfit wall ball shot although you don't have to catch the ball on the on the return right just throw it up as high as you can like up against a wall or, or even just straight up in the air let it come down right. at your feet you know thud to the ground and then squat down and get it and throw it up again so with those wall ball or sorry, the um, ball throws, the, the the object is you're starting out in a loaded squat position and you basically explode up mm-hmm. and launch the ball. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be out horizontally. Forward or backward. Forward or backward. It could be straight up as well. But ball slams where you take it overhead and slam to the ground is also a great movement yeah. because you get that pulling motion down. So definitely yeah. do those two, Kim. Um, and if it's possible where you are, it depends on if you're allowed to throw things against a wall, but you can do the lateral throws to yourself, basically, where you stand three or four feet away from a wall, like a concrete wall would mm-hmm. be necessary, not a drywall wall, and laterally whip the ball to the wall. And it kind of bounces And it off. kind of bounces you back to it. you, and you catch it, and you would do you know both directions. Yeah. If that's not possible, then that just might not be something you can do for that movement. Yeah. But I think just a simple throw it straight up. Don't let it hit you on the way down, obviously, but <laughs> let it land at your feet and repeat. Right. Okay. It's a good question. Um, number two, for the trainer rides, I heard in your podcast that I should use slope mode for the ILT work, the individual leg training work. Should I also do that, the slope mode for the cadence work? Ah, good question. Okay. So, yeah. Um, let me just go through it. So, the the... Um, you are recommending slope mode. That's yeah. True. So for ILTs, the one-legged pedaling drills, yeah, you want to be in slope mode so you can use your gears to create the resistance that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But when we're doing the, she was asking about the the cadence, cadence. work. Yeah. So the higher cadence work, <clears throat> pardon me, is intended to be done at very low resistance levels. So it sort of depends on the trainer that you have. So if you can set a slope that's like zero or even possibly negative, like negative one or something, to where you have very little resistance and you can freely just spin your legs, um, then that would be ideal. If you can't, you can do these in erg mode and you just set the percentage super low at like 20%. Or possibly lower, depending on. To allow the, the limited, very light resistance. So with the ILTs, the big gear strength ILTs, it's about creating lots of resistance and force on the pedals to, for strength. And the spinning, the spin-ups and the spins at the end of the workouts are designed to be very, very light. Like 
you'll be pedaling depending on the gearing and whatnot, but most people are like 40 to maybe 70 watts at the most spinning at that. And you want to be in a really easy gear um, because you want to be able to take the resistance out as much as possible so that's not a limiting factor. And so then you can hit higher cadences without producing lots of power and driving your heart rate up and fatiguing before possibly hitting, you know, the really high cadences in, in the spin-ups, for example. Well, we've really watched some of our newer athletes in-house struggle with the spin-ups and the easy gear ILTs, as we do every year. Yeah, anyone so, new to these, it's a little, like, confusing sometimes. It's confusing because it feels unnatural and counterproductive in some sense, that you don't have any resistance. Yes. And we, <laughs> I kept getting off my bike in the noon class, uh, this weekend going over and asking people to try an easier gear, easier gear, easier gear, because it just doesn't feel right that you are in such an easy gear. Right. So what you have to think about is that these spinning drills, high cadence drills, really are doing nothing for you from a fitness standpoint because you're not doing a lot of work. Your your watts are like around 50 watts or whatever. So you're not gaining any, quote, fitness. Instead, what you're gaining is neuromuscular skill, pedaling skill of getting your muscles to cooperate, firing quite rapidly, um, over and over pedaling and developing skill. So Mm -hmm. sure, like you can pedal a high cadence in a moderately large or even a large gear, put out a decent amount of watts, your heart rate goes up somewhere and you're gaining fitness, but that's not the objective here. This is just an isolated skill work, um, Fitness gains are not the goal. It's more of that skill progression. Right. So don't look... People should not be looking at their watts at all. Right. Yeah, like, it really doesn't even matter. Don't look, because that can throw people off. We we had that with one of the guys in the noon class on Thursday, where he saw that the system was set as, as a percentage of his FTP, and so he was just so like baffled by how he was supposed to keep it low gear or easy gear. And, and he still hit t- those, a yeah. Watt target in yeah. So just get the watts yeah. out of your head right. and and just think about smooth stroke, unhinging your hips is how I always think of it. Just mm-hmm. letting your hips do what they need to do to make a quick circle. Yeah, and your goals rather than hitting you know X watts should be to hit X cadence. You know, mm-hmm. work your way up. And in the beginning, especially people that are new to these, you know, hitting 125, 130 RPM can be challenging really challenging yeah. yeah and over several weeks you'll be able to do that and then you'll be at 140 45 you know 150 160 you know rpms by the end yeah. so um you know it's a great skill to develop and it's not that you'll be pedaling a lot outside at over 120 rpms but there are times in any kind of you know race event where you have to respond to variance in terrain or your competition where you rather than having to shift all of the time if you can just pedal a higher cadence briefly mm-hmm. you know and it's much more efficient yeah i would like to give some kudos to a returning in-house participant carolina because i was watching her so in-house we have television screens that we can see everybody's stats and i was noticing how much higher her cadence spin-ups were compared to last year compared to last year it was very very cool yeah. like she was so new to all this last year and she struggled to get up to even 110 i think and i yeah. saw her hitting in the 130s this week yeah. i was so proud of her yeah so that's progress yeah right it's there. really cool just coming along nice okay so question number 3 in erg mode i've found that when the power is set really low for a recovery set my actual power stays about 20 to 30 watts above that. 
I have a kicker. Is there a setting that I need to change? Um, that's a tough question, but more importantly is just focusing on what you should be doing during those like recovery minutes when they're in there. <clears throat> the recovery minutes are intended to be very light and easy. I think I always program them at like 20% for erg mode. Um, so it's possible if your watts are higher than what 20% of your FTP is, it could just be simply that you're pedaling a faster cadence and the, so you're a little bit above like the erg preference. I don't know without seeing you do it, but that's a possibility. But honestly, it doesn't really matter as long as you're recovering and bringing your heart rate back down and ready to go for the next okay. interval. Um, and right now, while the training is all aerobic, the recoveries aren't even that crucial because we're not really working that hard yet. Um, but later on, when we're doing things like VO2 max intervals mm -hmm. and anaerobic power intervals and those where we are working really hard, then you definitely want to get the appropriate amount of recovery so you can recover and be ready for the next um, interval. Um, so don't get too obsessed again on like the power, um, but it's quite possible. My guess would be without seeing it, seeing you on the bike is that maybe you're pedaling a little higher cadence. I think erg mode generally likes people kind of around 90 RPM mm -hmm. to sort of do the algorithms correctly. Um, and when it goes really light, it's easy to be pedaling at like 100 RPM and not really realize okay. it. And, you know, the point is just take some deep breaths, relax, yeah. and get ready for the next interval. Right. Exactly. All right, great. And last question from Kim. If I wanted to incorporate running one to two times a week into the program, when do you suggest I do that? I've been trying to do an easy trail run just to get myself outside since it's harder to do that this time of year, especially in the Midwest. Okay. Um, yeah, I think running can be a great kind of off-season base activity, um, particularly for that reason that running is much easier when it's cold out compared to cycling to get outside, get, you know, to get fresh air. Um, so you definitely can run. Um, was her question like, like when? Well, no, you did suggest though that she, um, maybe run in the morning and lift weights in the afternoon or split it up. Yeah, I think combining... So if you're going to do all our bike workouts, um, then if you want to add runs, yeah, I think on the the strength training days is probably the ideal way to do mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm a fan of splitting it up. It's not quite as time efficient. So if it's a matter of running for half an hour and getting your weight lifting in and getting both, do that. But if you can run in the morning or lift weights in the morning and then do the other in the evening. I think that's, I think it's better to separate them. Um, yeah, but not everyone can with their family and work life. Yeah, so it's it, okay if you have to combine. Yeah. Them. If you have to combine, combine, use the run as a, as a warm up is right. what I like to, the way I like to think of it. Um, I mean, back in our triathlon days, we ran quite a bit in the winter and I, I, sometimes I miss running like in the winter. I like bundling up and going out and getting those runs in. What's really cool about running is that, for just about anyone, just running your basic running pace gets you right around that like aerobic threshold heart rate. And so it's like the amount of minutes you accumulate or come fairly effortless, effortlessly. And you get a lot of aerobic threshold training without really mm. having to like push yourself Yeah. Um, that way. And, um, you know, it's a good way to do it. But nowadays the thought of me running, I tried running like a month ago or something for a couple of weeks, like twice a week. And it was like, ah, this is too much work. So, um, that's funny. Each to their own. Well, thanks Kim. Okay. Let's move on to, uh, Jim Kennedy's 
uh, questions. Um, these were good ones too. Okay. Uh, and I'll just read the beginning of his email because it was nice to hear some compliments. He said, I, hi Cody, I hope this finds you doing well. The bike training is good. The ILTs are tough though. Wow. I find my quad is really on fire during the ILTs, but I do feel an improvement each session with the ILTs. Yeah, and Jim, great. I totally agree. I think for me, it's my hip flexor. I feel more than my quad, but um, yeah, they're tough. They're they're really tough. I think what's cool, just a little personal opinion, is to um, especially on the strength ones to lap your minute or two minutes or three minutes and see what your average watts are right now, and then see where you how you improve the next com- uh, the upcoming weeks. Yeah, you know, maybe you're at like a hundred watts per leg. For the couple of minutes, and if maybe you'll get up to like 150 once you kind of get the technique down and um, kind of get that push pull, and it's kind of cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, should I go into the question? Sure. Okay, question number one Are the five minute intervals, aerobic threshold or AET, the same as the AET strength? The same with just a different label? Uh, good question. So, um, yes, I think it was this week actually, we started introducing some aerobic strength intervals amongst the aerobic threshold intervals. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so with those, and actually he found a little bit of a typo in my training workout. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I think I had the same description for the, the aerobic strength as I did for the aerobic threshold. Oh, okay. And that's what I think he was asking specifically about. So they are different. That's what they we are should different. start yeah, by so, saying. So the aerobic threshold intervals... And aerobic strength intervals are different, but they're also very similar. They're so, like cousins. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> aerobic threshold is where we're, in general, we're in sort of a normal gearing and cadence range. So like cadence between 80 and 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of these, I explain to people in the class, like think of it as like you're on more of a flat or like rolling terrain. Mm-hmm. Normal gearing, normal cadences. And the target or the objective with aerobic threshold intervals is training the heart, the aerobic system, keeping your heart rate right up under about 80% of your max heart rate. That's roughly your aerobic threshold. Um, so you're really maximizing like the power while still burning at least 50% of your fuel of coming from fat. So you're still heavily focused on the fat burning capabilities, but you are doing like the maximum amount of work while maximizing fat, if that makes sense. It does. Um, so then the aerobic strength kind of takes it to the next step or the next level. Um, and you have to make sure one, that you are sort of aerobically fit enough to progress. And then the progression then is to do the same heart rate target, get right up around that 80% of max, but instead of cadence around 90 in, you know, just sort of a normal gear, pardon me, you want to do these, um, if you're outside on a hill, or if you're on a trainer in a really large gear at a low cadence. Like how low? So cadence, I usually tell people in the 50s. So it kind of depends on where you're comfortable. Um, you know, for more of a strength benefit, it's going to be lower, like closer to 50. Mm-hmm. For, you know, make it slightly less difficult from a strength standpoint, it'd be closer, pardon me, to 60. Okay. So somewhere in the 50s. Um, if you're outside doing these, because I do like to do these outside, um, as like a, a climb is never perfect degree pitch, right? The whole time. So it will fluctuate. So I just think keep my cadence in the fifties, you know, if it's a little steeper, it might dip down. If it's a little flatter, it might go up, um, and shift also as needed. But on the trainer, you want to shift down probably close to one of your biggest gears, big chain ring up front, one of your smaller ones in the back and cadence around, let's say 55 or so. 
And um, the other big key is then you want to try to stand up when mm. you're doing these on the trainer. Um, one, it gives your butt a little break, but it also trains some different um, muscles as you stand up and um, makes it more like climbing, if nothing else. So um, so that's kind of the differences between aerobic threshold, five the intervals, and aerobic strength intervals. So it's the same interval. You're just doing it in a bigger gear, lower cadence. And in the aerobic strength intervals, people can sit or stand. They can sit or stand. Although I, for right now, I'm having people stand in the okay. in our in-house sessions for those um, because then our regular aerobic threshold, I have them sit down. Got it. Um, but later on, you can alternate sitting and standing. Although I prefer indoors, I prefer to stand. One, it's actually more comfortable. I think. Um, and we'll work up to longer and longer intervals. So like this week it was five by five minutes mm-hmm. and we did, um, interval two and four were the strength version next week. Um, it's going to be interval five by five again, intervals one, three, and five. And then Thursday will be, um, three by nine minutes. And I think it's the second one will be standing. And then the next week it'll be three by nine again, but the first and third one will be oh, standing. Okay. Got it. And then we'll get to like two by fourteen. Yeah, you freaked Ben Watkins out by telling him he was going to be standing for thirty minutes. Yeah, we work up to thirty minutes. But you can do it, Ben. You can do it. So that's kind of the progression of that. So you're building that strength, um, and it's just more enjoyable and more tolerable, I think, standing up than. Well, but some people don't have the aerobic fitness yet to stand for the full five minutes and keep their heart rate under 80%. Right. And that's what I said earlier. Yeah. You have to make sure you're aerobically fit enough because you're correct. If you stand up, almost always your heart rate escalates. And if that happens, then you're better off staying seated or at least least sit back down for a minute or two. Let Mm -hmm. your heart rate kind of get back under 80%. And then if you want to try standing again. So you, you... for the individual, I mean, you could do like two minutes up, two minutes down. Right, but obey the heart rate, heart rate rules. Rate. Know that you can sit down if you need to briefly. Another trick, if you um, can drop down in like your lower bars, what are they called? The drops. The drops. Okay. <laughs> the drops. Yeah. Good one, Kath. The curlies. Um, the curlies. <laughs> then that, when you lower your chest like that, it usually lowers your heart rate. So that's yeah. a little trick. But if you're on a mountain bike, so we do have a few people, even in class, that are doing this on their mountain bikes. Um you wouldn't have the curlies or the drops, um, so you might just have to sit down yeah. for 30 seconds or so. Yeah, and as a side note on that, too, is that sometimes the mountain bikes on the trainer doing the big gear strength work doesn't work that great because mountain bike chain rings these days are so mm-hmm. small, um, you know, like 32 to 36, and you can't get enough resistance if you're in on like a – depends on the trainer, I suppose, but I know in our Wahoos in the gym, some of the – some of our um, – Junior riders are they're too, yeah. too strong and they they run out of gears, so they're going to be getting road bikes with bigger gears that'll help with that. But just so, what's the best thing note. to do? Just stay seated. Stay seated, or if see at home, you should be able to manually adjust the slope mm-hmm. and just tap the slope, so it's like you're going up a steeper hill, and you should get plenty of resistance. Okay. But in the gym, because our software is controlling all the trainers, they can't individually up the slope like on their own trainer that they're on. Because okay. our system's talking to the trainer and won't let their phone also talk to the trainer um, okay. for controlling it. So it's sort of... All right, so it's, but at home they can, though. Yeah, at home. Just bump that slope up so it's hard. Get you that resistance and then settle in at that low cadence. Work the strength. Um, and it, you'll be good. 
Well, and Jim's second question really ties right back into what we were talking okay. about with the um, whether or not he should be focused on the heart rate or the watts because on his training peaks workout, um, the workout said do five minutes at 187 watts, and he didn't know if he was supposed, supposed to focus on the watts or keeping his heart rate under 80%. Okay. Yeah, and that's a common question. Um, so while right now while we're training the aerobic system in this first trainer block, you want to focus on heart rate. So don't really concern yourself too much with power. Now that said, keep an eye on the power because what you do want to look for is if you're at the same 80% of max heart rate for these intervals, and let's say you're at two, 200 watts in several weeks, you'll be at that same 80% max heart rate and you might be at 210 or 215 watts, you know, because you're getting stronger, you're getting more aerobically fit. So focus on, that's why I always say switch the trainer to slope mode because the the workouts and training peaks are written in an erg, those structured workouts are written in erg mode as a percentage of ones like FTP. And I don't really care for that. And because you don't have the ability to regulate via heart rate um, of where you're at. And when we're training aerobically, the aerobic system, it's the heart that we're training. So um, put it in slope mode, get your heart rate where it should be, use the gearing descriptions that are there. If it's a big gear or smaller gear, you know, low cadence, high cadence, do all those things and then just see where your power ends up and look for that to gradually increase over the weeks. Good answer. So Jim, I hope that helps and maybe that will help somebody else out there. Thank you for your questions. If if you have questions, you can send them to us via email to Cody at session6.com. Um, C-O-D-Y, Cody at session6.com. Or we have a forum button on our website at endurance.session6.com. And you can click on the forum and post a question. And not only can we answer it, but other people that are following the program can also post in. some info. Yeah. Well, I think we let's keep this momentum of talking about the specifics of training last week and the coming week um up and address week 13 I oh just do that real quick up. yeah okay. we'll get that kind of done um because i want to it kind of stirred up a lot of thoughts on how to do these standing climbs and the ilts and stuff so i want to give a few more tips to our remote listeners there um <clears throat> should i just start yeah go ahead with there it. okay so a couple of things. So with the aerobic strength climbs that we were just speaking about, get the, the big gear, low cadence, um, standing up, some other little tips. Um, these are all things that I instruct our in-house athletes. So I want to be able to share these people doing it, doing the same program at home. Is when you're standing up on the trainer in a big gear, low cadence, like you're climbing a hill, some tips are really thinking about, um, number one, keeping your core engaged mm-hmm. because that's really what should be supporting you, not your arms and hands. Um, so you should have very little pressure on your hands, on your handlebars. Um, very little tension in your shoulders. Elbows should be soft and flexed and, you know, kind of agile. Um, shoulders should not be up in your ears. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times, especially when we get to longer intervals, mm-hmm. we've seen this in the past and people get a lazy and they'll end up putting a lot of weight on their hands and their, yeah, their shoulders end up, up like you said, in their ears and right. their back kind of sags and sways and that's just like not that's the lazy way to do it so it's like a still a very active position um so think about light hands soft elbows active shoulders and a really engaged core 
Yeah, the other thing with the engaged core muscles is it's going to take the pressure off of your low back. Mm -hmm. So it's very common for people when they're standing up more than five minutes doing these big gear stuff, their low back might start to ache. So if that happens, really think about your pelvic tilt angle. Um, you know, you don't want to have like that arched back. You want to kind of tuck your tailbone and keep the core engaged, like your stomach muscles essentially engaged. That'll take some pressure off your back. Um, and then it'll also just build some back strength as you're doing these standing low cadence climbs. Um, that said, if it becomes too unbearable, just sit down for a minute, you know, and right. keep pedaling and then stand back up and eventually you'll last longer. Um, what about body position over the bottom brackets? Like, what do you think is ideal? I have an idea in my mind, but what are your thoughts on okay. where, how you should see people positioning themselves? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's, I'm trying to think. So your body position should be more or less right over your bottom bracket. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. so much over your handlebars. So it's kind of natural to be really far forward where you're more over your handlebars. And that ends up putting a lot of weight on your hands. And I think it shifts the focus to your quads doing the work. Yes, you'll pedal more with your toes and therefore your quads. As opposed to if you shift back. Just a little bit. On the bottom bracket, above the bottom bracket. And then think about also pedaling kind of through your heels yep. a little bit more. Use your butt. And that, yeah, you'll feel it light up your calves, your hamstrings, and your glutes like immediately if you just sort of shift to like that thought instead of being forward and more on your toes, being back and more on your heels. And suddenly you engage that posterior chain way better. Um, and it also takes strain off your back too at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think last year I challenged Nate, one of our WeDevo athletes to let go of the handlebars and stand for the standing climbs. Oh, it was really cute. Um, He did it for a little bit, but then I was like, okay, you're getting tired. Stop. Grab the handlebars. But but the truth is if you were positioned properly over the bottom brackets, you should be able to – just sort of be upright like you were on a unicycle. Potentially, yeah. 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 But it would be very difficult. Yeah, you don't want to get very long. Coordination. But just check check your body position is, is my point. Yeah, exactly. And then another little tip on ILTs, especially with the <clears throat> big gear ILTs, as, you, as we're getting better at these, getting a smoother pedal stroke, you can do more work, more power, bigger gear. The goal is to get yourself pushing the biggest gear you possibly can for the duration. Um, and subsequently this coming week, we're extending to three minutes per leg. So it's getting, that would mm. be our maximum duration. That's a, that's a doozy. Yeah. Those are definitely challenging and challenge yourself to be in that big gear, holding that 60 RPMs for that strength benefit. And then the same thing is true as we just spoke about with the standing climb is think about, Sort of like getting back behind the bottom bracket that little bit more and dropping your heel as it comes over the top of the pedal stroke. And it's a very subtle drop, but it's more of like a mental like feel, like you're pushing more through your heel. And that, again, gets your calves engaged, your high hamstring, your glutes, all you know, your posterior chain muscles. Mm-hmm. Takes some of the force requirement away from your quads, kind of sparing them, because we tend to be a cyclist very quad dominant wanting to pedal with our quads but if we can get more strength from the back side of our legs therefore saving our quads for when we really need it when we're really getting after it um the better off you're going to be especially in a competitive situation so get those heels down get the glutes involved the hamstrings involved um and really start to challenge yourself with bigger gear you know more watts more resistance in those ilts in the coming few weeks here 
Yeah, one strategy I've employed as we graduate from one minute to two minute to three minute in the big gear strength ILTs is that um, I might just be a little more conservative in that first minute and then shift to a harder gear the yeah. second minute and shift to an That's even a harder gear the third minute because I'm just feeling nervous. Like I'm not sure I can hold that that power for yeah. three whole minutes. Well, and also <clears throat> with modern gear ratios, we have most cases have like bigger jumps between gears. So, it, like, the one gear you're in, you might be getting pretty good at it, and you're, like, ready to go to the next harder gear. But not for three minutes. But not for three minutes. Right. Yeah, because it might be, like, two or three teeth harder. Right. Um, so, that's a perfect way to break it, break the interval in half or in minutes, and do, like, the first one where it's a little easier, kind of gets you warmed up. Then, then when you're ready, like, drop down to that mm-hmm. next harder gear and try to finish it out. And then each, like, the subsequent workout, if you did you know, two minutes in the one gear and then you shifted the third minute, then maybe try one minute in the starting gear and then two minutes. Yeah. That's shift. how I've done maybe it. Maybe eventually you can do all three minutes in the, that little bit bigger gear. So, yeah. And that will be reflected in the power that Watts up on the board. Um, but be, back in the day before we had power on our trainers, it was, that's exactly how we did it. That's how we knew we were getting stronger. We made sure our tire pressure was the same every workout. And we would just know by the gearing that we were mm. doing these. And you'd want to work your way down the cog stack. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Several weeks and get stronger. Yeah. Because if you're keeping the cadence the same at 60, if you're in bigger gears, everything else being equal or more or less equal, you're doing more watts. So it is, a, in essence, a power meter. You just didn't know the <laughs> exact numbers. Um, cool. I think that kind of covers it in the gym. I mean, things are starting to get fairly heavy. In the yeah, we just keep... Uh, reminding athletes in-house to always check your form on the list. Like, don't get too casual. Like, oh, I'm in week 16 uh, or week 13. Um, I know what I'm doing now. No, check your feet. They are the root of the tree. Make sure they are positioned correctly for the deadlift versus the the back squat. Core engaged, shoulder blades squeezed. Be ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely the... The last set, if not even the second to last and last set, are getting pretty mm-hmm. heavy. We're doing some good reps at 80, around 80, 85% of max and kind of moving up gradually from there. So um, definitely getting challenging and heavy there. Yeah, and a note on that. If it's if it's too challenging, if you did overestimate your numbers and the day after your strength session you can't walk. Um, you probably did too much. <laughs> yeah, then, then just go back and change your numbers in your spreadsheet. Change your guesstimated one rep max and, and make this more conservative so you can do your bike workouts or your run workouts as well. Yeah, I always say like you should wake up the next morning knowing you lifted weights the day before, but not so much so that you're like can't get out of bed or yeah. squatting down onto the toilet uncomfortable <laughs> or things like that. So you should know that you did something, you yeah. lifted weights, but... You know, it shouldn't be like you're hobbling around. No hobbling. No hobbling. Um, cool. Should we get into the goal? Yeah, let's get into goal setting because that's fun and, um, yeah, we don't want to ramble on too long. Okay. Um, so goal setting. So I just, this week, actually updated um, a blog post I did last year on our website, endurance.session6.com on the blog. So um, I kind of edited it, polished it up a little bit, um, moved it to the top of the Q, I guess, or top of the blog. So it's there. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to read about it. But I just wanted to run through that a little bit. And within that blog post, there's actually kind of like a... A worksheet. Sort of a worksheet, yeah. At least to give you some ideas of how to do what we're going to sort of suggest you do right now. Um, 
but goal setting is, you know, the sort of the first step in planning for your next season, whether that be race season or riding season or just fitness season. Um, and it's a crucial step to think about like what motivates you and what gets you excited to, to do all this training that we're doing. Um, very few people I think can probably do this training without some sort of goal in their mind, uh, whether they call it a goal or not, it's a goal. And, you know, if you get a little bit more formal with your goals and write them out, think about what they are, also how to achieve them. And it should hopefully encourage more motivation and kind of hold you more accountable and, you know, in essence, improve your, your training progressions. Um, so this is step one and next week's show, we're going to talk about, um, kind of picking your events or races Mm, and yeah, figuring out like the whole like ABC classification of races and things. But before you do that, you kind of have to have some goals in mind. Um, and then the show after that, we'll talk about, um, sort of planning like your training progression across the whole season, like how to build up to a peak and Mm, when to recover mid season. So this is more like the dreaming, um, yeah, just writing down what what you wish you could do and um, having somebody else be a part of it can be really helpful so they can help you walk through the process, I think. Yeah. I mean, you and I are lucky that we're doing this together, but a lot of people don't have a spouse that that is um, on the same page. Like they, they may not be a cyclist. They may not be a triathlete. Or they may not even care what you're doing. Yeah, so, <laughs> so like that – process becomes a little bit more complicated because they need to write their goals out and like kind of get permission from right. their yeah, partner yeah. like hey here's what i'm hoping to do can this fit into our like right. family plans our goals family goals involve time right some money you know things that are important to a family um travel oftentimes so right yeah writing so them writing out. them down is it's a really great first step um yeah, yeah before you go on absolutely um, and there's two types of goals we'll talk about, uh, the long-term goals, um, and short-term goals. So long-term goals are the ones that are really the dreaming types of goals. So the shortest long-term goal would be sort of like your goal, your sort of your top goals for the coming season, like a year out from now, more or less. Okay. So we wrote down our goals in order to like help you guys understand what, well, should we go through that yeah. after we, Oh no. Okay. You want to do it now? I think so. We're talking. Explain it all. Oh, that's how you do it. Okay, he explains and then he summarizes the summary. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All Um, right, do your thing, Cody. Well, so so the long term goals are yeah, a year like as short as a year from now, like this coming season, and then also you know thinking two and three and four years out, Mm -hmm. and even longer than that, depending on your intention of staying with the sport, basically. So. Um, and then I like to finish it with like a, a dream goal. Um, and these were things, you know, when I was younger, it was like to race in the Olympics, you know, um, things like that. So, um, you know, now that I'm an adult, what are my dream goals? I don't know. I guess it would be like to live in race and, or like live and tour around Italy or something would be a dream goal or something. I'm, I'm on board. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, so it's different for everyone what those are, but the long-term goals are very much like that dreaming thinking about like what gets you excited and things you want to accomplish down the road. Does that okay. kind of make yep. sense? And then oftentimes the long-term goals 
tend to be a little bit more outcome oriented. So for example, like picking a, a race that you want to make the podium or whatever, or a specific time, um, for a, an event or, you know, things that are like outcome oriented right? as opposed to process oriented. And that's where the short term goals come in. Short term goals are as short as really a, a week, I suppose, and definitely no longer than, you know, six, eight months from now. Um, and I like to break them up and in my blog post in the worksheet, there's, it kind of breaks like your season starting kind of now base, like into two segments, kind of an early base and a late base and then sort of early race season and a late race season Mm -hmm. and thinking about specific short-term goals for each of those four areas. So it's sort of like the pre new year's fall, think of it, I guess, seasonal it's fall, winter, Spring and summer. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. (laughs) You just got fancy with how you said it. Yeah. Um, And those goals are generally, you don't want to make those outcome oriented, such as, um, you know, at this X event, I want to beat this person or I want to be, I want to win or, or, you know what I mean? Like, you want to make it goals more like within your control. Because I always tell people um, when they say like, well, I want to, I want to be, podium in this race well it's like that's a great goal but you have no idea who's gonna show up to the race right i mean take my experiences at leadville for for example i've done it three times and some years are way more competitive than others and so i have i have this like underlying goal of i want to finish top 10 and or under seven hours in leadville and that's always been my goal i've come very close but haven't quite done it but some years it's like I was right close to seven hours and I was like 15th or 16th. And mm-hmm. then other, like one year I didn't do it. Um, a guy I raced with quite a bit, um, his time I think was slower. It was like a little, a little over seven hours, but he was like eight or something. I remember this, yes. And it because just it depended wasn't on who showed up. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, so with those short-term goals, you don't want to get so stuck on those specific outcome related goals. So rather focus on like the process goals or, um, well, the word you used on your blog post was quantifiable. Okay. Which I liked. Yeah. So things like weights lifted in the gym, you know, things like power numbers that you work up to achieve, you know, maybe body weight numbers you want to get down to, um, hours hours of riding a week or number of feet climbed in a month. Right. Cause those things are within your control as opposed to, me wanting to be under seven hours in Leadville, well, I may be in the best shape and could do that one given year, but maybe it's like a massive thunderstorm and it becomes a total, you know, cluster and I can't go under seven hours, right? right? Or maybe I physically, maybe I could have, but it was out of my control with the weather. Right, that makes know? sense. Um, and then lastly with the goals, once you have them kind of figured out, write, you definitely want to write them down. You want to then share them. That's often one of the more challenging parts. Like you said earlier, share with your spouse, with a coach, with training partners, people that can one, sort of know what you're interested in and Mm -hmm. hopefully sort of allow you or accept what you're doing. But also it adds this level of accountability where now you've like made yourself a little vulnerable sharing and now you're going to work most likely that little bit harder to achieve them and not let yourself down and show to whoever you shared them with that you um, achieved your goals. And then the other last little trick, and then we'll talk about our own goals, is once you have them written down, is 
print them out, print out a couple copies and keep them, you know, by your nightstand where you sleep or on your bathroom mirror or at your desk at work or all these places. So you see them regularly because it's easy to write goals out and be all jazzed about them for like a month. <laughs> and then you sort of forget, you know, cause life is busy. Yeah. Um, so if you keep them out in an obvious place and you see them regularly, then, you know, you, uh, are way more likely to keep them fresh. Very anyway. Tony Robbins of you. Well, yeah, my mom is very, a big Tony Robbins. <laughs> no, it's good. I make a, <clears throat> put a sticky note on your, yeah. on your mirror. The bottom line is the mind is extremely powerful. And if you can fully accept and commit and buy into these goals, that you know, that's why they have to be realistic, but challenging that, and then you add in things like visualizing and all those. Maybe we'll do a show on that down the road. But a lot of these mental practices and your mind can literally like make your body do like what you're telling it to do. It's, it's pretty wild. So <laughs> um, I think it's a really cool topic, the whole psychological. No, aspect. I do too. I'm, I'm smiling at you, which nobody can see, but I, I think it's great that you're excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I believe it. Yeah, so I think it's a valuable exercise. So if you're interested, read the blog. It has the little worksheet on there. Um, and then, yeah, let's run through kind of what we talked yeah, about Yeah, we, we just thought we'd share a few of our goals so that it kind, kind of, of makes example. sense, like yeah. for examples. Um, okay, let's start with our long-term goals. The upcoming season. Cody, what are your long-term goals in the 2020 race season? Okay, yeah, so that first, that year-out goal. So my coming season, um, I guess would be to, I want to win 40-plus uh, nationals cross country. I was, that was a goal last year. I was very close, had a flat that, um, couple flats that interfered with that, just missed it. So that's again, my main objective for the first half of the season. Um, and then Leadville's back on my calendar again. I didn't think finishing. Yeah. I thought we were done. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, something about that race just draws me in. And again, I want to still try to get that top 10 sub seven, either or, um, would be great. And then actually, as a side note, just yesterday or the day before, they announced this new competition for next year called the Lead Boat. What? Which is Leadville on Saturday and the Steamboat Gravel on Sunday. I did not see that. And it's one of those things that's like, oh, that could be, quote, fun. That could I mean, be horrible. I'll probably be hating it <laughs> on Sunday in the moment, but it might be sort of fun. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. You have to apply that. and get accepted. And only a few people are going to be accepted to do it. Um, so that's what kind of also makes it sort of appealing. Then you're like the special chosen person. If you get <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll talk about that one. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, I got to get you on board, I guess. That's get a lot of driving board. around, too. It is, yeah. It's a bit of a um, logistics thing and everything. But So that's a loose goal. But the, the Leadville portion of it, at least, is um, kind of my second half of the season goal for next year. How about you for next year? What are your... Um, well, th- these are the goals you gave me. <laughs> the, um, to win my age group in na- the cross-country nationals, marathon nationals, and short track nationals. Okay. All the right. Trifecta. The trifecta. Yeah. Well, Sophia and I, our daughter Sophia, have um, been talking about this a lot lately, that we firmly believe you can win all three. Like, you have the way better shot of winning any any one of those as well as multiples of those, and like all of us in our house. So we're counting. Well, okay. Well, um, I appreciate the, con- the boost of confidence. Um, but I did actually just write down, stay healthy. Um, because last, last season I didn't get to, mm, to race at all. My yeah. God, I got choked up just saying that. 
Um, yeah, because you basically missed your whole race season last year. Yeah, and I'm sitting here with a sore back, which has sort of freaked me out a little bit. I, I know it's temporary, but it, yes, it, more importantly than anything, I just want to stay healthy so I can um, ride with the team, ride with you, ride with my friends, and, and race. And that's a great side note there is like, here we are talking about like winning races and, you know, these lofty like result oriented goals and not everyone is going to be in that category and there's nothing good or bad about that. It's like everyone has to figure out the goals for them and it could be just to finish a challenging race like Leadville um, or finish Leadville in whatever time is appropriate to them or, or do the triple bypass yeah, or, or do a Spartan just, race or just something yeah, big. Or the consistency with their training on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, you know, goals like that. It doesn't have to be tied around winning or placing in an event necessarily. It could just be, like you said, stay healthy and, you know, maybe reach some level of fitness that somebody has yet to reach or, um, things like that too. So don't, don't be listening here thinking like, well, I'm not really a racer. I just like to train and ride, so I don't really need goals. I I would disagree. I think you still should set goals around, like, how many days a week do you want to try to ride, you know, through the winter, and then how many days a week through the summer, and maybe plan a big ride trip, you know, where you do, like, the Cocopelli Trail in Utah or something like that. Um, I think my friend, our friend Peter Schick, had a goal one year of climbing 100,000 feet. Okay. Would that be doable? Am I getting the numbers right? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that w- that's a really cool goal. That is. You know, or track, total miles. Total miles. I just liked yeah. that it was climbing. Mm-hmm. It, I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be race or event oriented. Um, it can be very much training related um, as well. So I like the one that you had there of being healthy. Right. And, for sure. Um, and then along, so some other long terms, um, I mean, our sort of two to four year goal, mine um, I really would like to compete in the Masters World Championship in cross country. Um, for whatever that's worth, it just sounds like a cool thing to do. And I've looked ahead, like in coming years, it's um, France, Italy, and Scotland, 2021, 2022, and 2023. So any one of those, I'll take. <laughs> yeah, um, I wrote that down too, since fun. you chimed that out loud. Um, yeah. I wrote down Leadville. I think I want to do it. I. I've done the stage race. I was signed up to do Leadville 100 last year. It didn't work out with my knee. Um, so yeah, I think I would like to do that, but I put it in the two to four year okay. slot. I think that seems realistic. And then I also just wrote down body functioning well. Um, and then that our We Devo team is like thriving. Right. Yeah. That for me on my five plus year was like, I have no idea what where my interest will be from a racing competitive standpoint personally, but a definite goal of mine is to be training with our, you know, young riders that are now at very high levels, you know, basically pro riders. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be hanging on for dear life. To be, yeah, to be able to train with them <laughs> and, and travel and whether it's Europe or America or wherever and, you know, across the world going to these races, that to me would be really, really yeah, I agree. five or more years. So, um, so cool. So yeah, we had our kind of our next year's goal two to four year long-term goal and five plus year goal. And as you can see, they're all very much kind of dreaming, thinking about events, thinking about activities, things that we want to accomplish and where we think we might be down the road. Um, So getting more specific then with short term, um, breaking those into those four categories that early base, late base, early race, late race um, phases 
Um, should I just share mine? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was yawning. Okay. <laughs> go ahead with your short-term goals. Hopefully we're not boring everybody else. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> um, so early base, I mean, that's where we are right now. Um, for me, it's like I'm putting a little extra emphasis in my strength training this year, actually doing three days a week versus two. Um, I have some squat and deadlift one rep max goals of 200 and 225, um, which would be a solid amount for me. I'm not a particularly strong individual. but Well, you're just um, smaller stature, so those would be significant weight goals. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit of progress over previous seasons. So if I can keep even a small amount of progress as I get older, I figure it's a mm-hmm. pretty good win there. Um, and then also at the same time, this could be tricky, but get my body weight down to 146 pounds. And I'm only one or two pounds away from that right now. So well, I think your overall goal there really is that you want to eat extremely healthy, less processed foods. So we've been more careful when we go to the grocery store, when we go to Costco, like I get strict texts from you, do not buy crap. Right. Um, which is easy to do at Costco because it's very tempting when you walk by the snack aisle. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's, those are good goals as long as you're not obsessed with like a number, but it's more about like, I want to be like my, my best body weight. I want to feel really good. Yeah. Eat really good with the strength training combined. I should, be find a pretty good body weight so my goal body weight wise is like i want to get within three-ish pounds of like my what i think is my ideal race weight going into the new year so i don't have to try to reduce body weight while we're doing some hard intervals in january and february so i kind of want to get really close to race weight by the new year mm-hmm. then be able to train really hard and kind of at this new normal weight and then right before race season in march april i'll just by riding more, it'll drop down a few more pounds. Um, so we're splitting hairs here, but those are just little goals, goals I have. <laughs> no, it's good. That's what short-term goals are. You said specific yes. and quantifiable. Very true. So then late base, I'll just go through mine and then we'll go through yours. Late base then becomes more like training oriented. So things like my testing <clears throat> towards the end of the base build, um, you know, aerobic threshold power around 280, um, four minute power around 425, one minute power at 570. That'd give me about a 6% fatigue rate. Um, and 64 minute power, which is roughly FTP, would be right around 330 watts um, with a body weight of about 144 pounds. So it'd be kind of that over that five watt per kilo at threshold um, kind of magical number. Um, these are numbers that are very doable, very close to actually where I was last year. So again, it's like, I'm just looking for like very small gains, even though I'm a year older. Um, if I can improve just a couple of percent, you know, yeah, that'd be amazing. It'd be really good. Yeah. And I'd be, if, if it works out, I'd be a couple pounds lighter actually than last year too. So a little more power, a little less weight and voila, it's a big, voila, big thing. Um, and then my early race, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on this, but, um, Really, the spring focus is going to be more about building up speed, doing a lot of shorter cross-country style races in California, um, and building up that way. And then the second, the late race, will be adding the volume. So the speed will bring me into cross-country nationals in early July to hopefully do well there. And then the rest of summer and fall will be about building up volume for Leadville um, and probably Marathon Nationals as well in September and if I do the steamboat gravel thing too so um, so spring is all about speed and then late spring summer volume um, while kind of maintaining more or less those power numbers from the beginning of spring 
Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Well, I didn't quite get as specific as you did. Um, I still kind of need your help with yeah, this. Yeah, we can we, work on it some more. Yeah, so I just wrote down a couple brief goals for this base, base period. Um, one was that my FTP would go would improve. Like I think right now it's at 214, and I want it to be to 225 by the next test. Yeah, your 64-minute power. My 64, thank you. My 64-minute power, I would like to be at 225. Um, I would like to also improve my aerobic capacity like the watts i can produce at my aerobic threshold right and i wrote down 10 percent, but that may be too much so and i didn't even really put like a month so i need some help with this but i i know that what, like a 20 watt increase roughly yeah is that too much i think that's pretty doable yeah. okay so that's really important to me I, i'm committed to putting in the base miles at the low heart rate i've been very strict with that and so i'm hoping to see some improvement. Oh, I forgot to th- give a kudos again to, to Ruben about this. I wanted oh, to aerobic, Ruben. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, last year his aerobic watts were, um, well, I mean they were at a certain level, and this year, this week, I was watching him, and they are at least twenty watts higher yeah. at his aerobic um, heart rate, and I was so excited to because see that. He, he told us he listened to us and stuck with the low heart rate training. Yeah, more like, than ever, and. It was really cool. Like, yeah. I, it was very obvious. I'm like, oh, those were not the numbers I saw last year up on the screen. Yeah. So he was very pleased that I noticed, yeah, that and awesome. I'm really proud of him for sticking with it because that, that's going to be huge gains outside. Um, okay, back to my short-term goals. I was actually very hesitant to write down strength goals because I have to be really careful with my fuse back. Right. So um, it, it for me, it's just about like being able to do the strength work and um, being really consistent two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. So I don't have like numbers in my mind. Okay. And then for the first half of my race season, my number one goal is to be aggressive at the start because I really struggle with mm-hmm. that. That's a great goal. Because yeah. um, that's a very much a process, something you can control. Is right. Like starting re- like really hard. Being bold, being confident, believing right. in myself. I'm kind of nervous about getting back on a mountain bike after almost a year off the mountain bike. Like, oh, will I have the skills to do yeah. this? And will I be competitive? And it's like my own insecurities that are rattling around in my brain. But... That's why that kind of goal is really important to me is um, be aggressive at the start because that's huge, huge in yeah. a mountain bike race. And then number two, ride smoothly. Like don't let my nervousness take over. Just be really calm and ride smoothly because I can ride well when I'm calm. Right. Um, fuel better. And we've mentioned this. Be- I mentioned this in the- some past podcasts that the more I've watched our young riders, our We Devo kids race. Like the more I, I'm seeing how I haven't fueled well, right. so I'm gonna I'm really committing to fueling better. Most people, that's like yeah, I, I can't believe like I, I've been things. underfueled the whole this whole yeah. time I've been racing. So yeah. I'm committed to that. And even I'll screw it up, but you know, plenty of times too. It's it's a tricky thing. It is tricky. It's, a, it's definitely something you can control and right. work on, and that's a great goal. Um, and then I would like to be on the podium at these first half um, first half of the race season races. I, that was my fourth goal, so I, I'm okay if I'm not, but. Um, I'll be really frustrated myself if I don't execute the other ones, riding smoothly, fueling better, and being aggressive. Yeah. Well, honestly, if you do all three of those, more than likely you'll end up on the podium. I I think so. I think so. But I'm a little bit more about the process, I think, on that first half of the race season. Um, And then the second half of the race season, I mean, honestly, I just want to be able to win my my, um, goal races. So, But but again, like I won't (laughs) – like, I feel like I'm old enough now that I'll be okay if I don't win if I did the best I could. Right. Right. Because so. you never know who's going to no, show mean, up. No, I mean, there's some badasses out there. So tired. I mean, you raced against uh, 
Julie Dibbins at the oh yeah, I know she crushed me. Leslie Patterson at the Estes, like all these like yeah, Aaron Huck at the Winter Winter Park Race, um, triathletes and yeah. So I'll do the best I can, but yeah, I can't really compete against any one of those girls for the win. You just gotta start aggressively with Aaron Huck and oh god, keep up with her. Uh, We'll see. Sophia says that's what Sophia says. Okay, Aaron, I'm coming for you. All right. Well, that that hopefully will um, kickstart you to write your goals down. Um, really, I did this in five minutes, so it wasn't as scary as I thought. Um, yeah, so- you do it in five minutes and then talk it over and then you polish it up. We'll work on yours a little bit more. Yeah. I'll work on mine a little bit more and make it more like dialed in and then we're good. And then next week we'll work on um, looking at it, all the race calendars. Most of the race calendars are out, not all of them, but we can figure out what races we're going to do and we'll talk about that next week of how to... Mm-hmm plot those what races help what races and the whole abc structure and everything yeah that'll be fun so um very good well hopefully this was helpful uh if you like listening to our show um you can subscribe via itunes um and google podcasts and if you can please take the time to give us a rating hopefully a five-star rating if you don't think we deserve five stars send us a message and let us know what we can do better um we're continuing continually trying to improve things um audio quality being kind of our number one focus right yeah, now. yeah sorry about some of the chatter on so the microphone with, last week yeah we're playing with different devices and settings and things and hopefully finding working our way towards an optimal situation and then reviews are always uh helpful too for you know getting our show out there to more people and working better in the search engines and all that kind of stuff so um so do that and um what else? I guess yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Follow us on social media. Yeah. Send your questions in. Thanks for listening. Yeah, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, take care.